Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right, it's going. Awesome. Thank you. What up, TCK Potters? I'm your host, Sky Guasco. You are listening to the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Please follow us on Instagram at fantasyfootball underscore TCK pod and on Twitter at TCK underscore pod. You can find all of our rankings and multiple articles at tckpod.com. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. What up, TCK Potters? We are back with you, Sky, your host of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Throwing it down with Lucas. Lucas, it's been a while since we matched up, man. How are you doing? Week one is finally here. Week one is finally here. You and Dwayne had a great Stat Rat preview episode yesterday. We are breaking down the early games for Sunday. We'll be doing this each Tuesday. Wednesdays, we're going to be doing the afternoon games as well as the evening games for the week as well. So before we get into Sunday, man, how are you doing? Quick check-in. It's been a while since I think you and I have done an episode. We've had a, a lot of guests on recently, and uh, you haven't, you and I haven't been able to pair up for a minute. Yeah, I'm doing good. Uh, when you're hearing this one day till football, I'm excited. I think – I don't know. I'm – I would say kind of nervous. Me and Dwayne are talking about this. Like, I feel like I'm, I'm going through my week one rankings, and I'm like, I don't even, like, know how to make some of these decisions because we, we frankly just haven't had football or really anything – I mean, the draft was in – it was in uh, – or not, the Goodell's basement. Like, but normally we have at least players on the screen. Like, we haven't had anything close to real football. So, I'm excited, but uh, I guess nervous or curious to see how this is all going to work out. Yeah, likewise, man. It's going to be interesting. You know, there's, there's eight positive tests now for COVID throughout the league, and I think there's going to be more while this comes out, and they're going to have to regulate that. I think they're doing a great job in, pre- in spring training, but now – they're starting to take organizations and, you know, piece them together, right? They haven't, they've been able to quarantine well individually, but now they're going to have each other, you know, playing each other. And I think that the staff and the players are going to be mingling the referees and whatnot. Um, Some stadiums are going to be having fans. Some aren't going to be having fans. It's a very unique situation here in the NFL this year, obviously. And um, I'm excited to see it too, man. I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to have football, but it is going to be a very, very kind of ominous start to the season and there's a lot going on around the around the country right now you know what I mean like you had your storm issues a couple weeks ago we've got really really gnarly fires here on the west coast all of California Oregon and Washington where I'm at so pretty intense over here I know we've got midwest and east coast things as well so I hope people are just uh, taking care of themselves and um you know looking out for each other during this time and uh football can't come at a better time because I think the idea of what these sports are in general is entertainment and it's more than that to these these guys and their families obviously with the money and the opportunity but at the end of the day it is a game it is a job it is entertainment for us as the fan and fantasy football is a part of that and I'm really excited to kind of like get my mind off of some personal things get my mind out of work and uh, dive into football so Thursday can't come soon enough with Houston and Kansas City but we're going to be breaking down the Sunday morning and the Sunday afternoon games, the early games for Sunday today, and we'll break down the rest tomorrow. Before we get into that, man, we had some big contract drops this morning. 
We'll start with New Hopkins again. We'll bring up Houston and Kansas City as a game tomorrow, but let's jump right into New Hopkins. Of course, the Texans get rid of New Hopkins, goes to Arizona, and they tie him up for three years. Well, they added two more years and $42.5 million more onto his contract. He's now locked up in Arizona for five years, $94 million, making him the highest-paid non-quarterback in history. Um, very, very impressive, obviously. Um, I think there's some other receivers who are worth that as well. But quick thoughts on, on Arizona locking up Nuke long-term. I mean, I guess I saw it coming to a certain extent. This team, the the Cardinals are kind of building a try to win now, but still long-term, I think, sort of strategy. Me and Dwayne were kind of talking about yesterday how we, we like them as a long shot for the Super Bowl. Just because this team is good enough in all aspects. And if you add in the the second-year jump for Kingsbury uh, that, we, that we hope happens, I think this is definitely a good spot for them, a good spot for uh, Hopkins. Still, I'm not going to raise him in my – rankings or anything due to this the whole switching teams aspect the market share can only go to 100 percent aspect that i've talked about all offseason but yeah good for him i was kind of like i don't want to say shocked because i feel like he i don't know he's a good receiver but i don't know if he's deserving more than guys like michael thomas he's right around the Mari cooper range stuff like that but i think he's still in that like five to six range um but it's good for him to capitalize on getting out of the Bill O'Brien led Texans. Yep. I agree. Absolutely. We had another contract uh, boost as well this morning. That was Cleveland Browns, other running back Kareem Hunt, two years, $13.25 million. That's eight and a half guaranteed for him. Uh, Nick Chubb folks like myself, a bit nervous here. Um, Lucas, do you think this could be just a Mark Ingram, Alvin Kamara situation for the next three seasons? where both of them could potentially be top 10 RB1s. Worst case scenario, they're both high-end RB2s. Or are you actually concerned about Nick Chubb here? No, I mean, I, I, we had to project him this year with Hunt there. So, like, people are changing their thoughts on, uh, on Chubb due to this signing. That doesn't make any sense considering the season's in two days. And up until this point, you had to project Chubb with Hunt there. I think really what it shows is that this team is just committed to the one-two punch they had last year. People will throw in the splits Chubb had, but also he had uh, negative two rushing yards on 15 attempts inside the five-yard line. So if he converts four of those, which is still a stupid low rate, we're talking completely different about him. They both, To me, they're both uh, – I think I've, I think I moved Hunt to like RB21 in the total rankings, but they'll easily be in the top 24 week in and week out on my weekly rankings. Excellent. I agree. With that rankings episode really quick, let everybody know what you're doing this year as far as rankings go, man. Pretty big opportunity for you. Yep. So I'm in the, the Fantasy Pros ECR ranking uh, contest, I guess. So the rankings will be uh, weekly rankings on the website, tckpod.com. Uh, they will be like on Wednesday because I have to publish them then, but they'll be updated throughout the whole week um, on there. Uh, that's really like the extent of it, I guess. Like that was the preseason rankings. There was like this little like sleeper. Uh, you had to pick sleepers at different positions, sort of accuracy thing. And then I'm in the the betting and uh, win total one as well for fantasy pros. But the, the rankings is the, we'll see. And we'll see throughout the week. We, we can probably uh, recap a little bit week by week basis on players that, are, that destroyed my percentage of winning or helped out a lot. That's awesome, man. And we're really looking forward to following along to that. So listeners, if you need 
the great advice here from Lucas Kaser. You can go to Fantasy Pros as well as our website. You can check them out on the ticker along with, you know, the fantasy footballers, CBS, uh, Roto World, all the rest of the guys out there that are doing it as well. And the Fantasy Pros themselves, Lucas is a part of that team this year. All right, brother, let's jump into this, man. Let's go through the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine earlier games on Sunday. So in order, that's going to be Cleveland at Baltimore, Seattle at Atlanta, New York Jets at Buffalo, Las Vegas Raiders at Carolina, Chicago Bears at Detroit Lions, Indianapolis Colts, Jacksonville Jaguars, Green Bay Packers at Minnesota Vikings, Miami Dolphins at New England Patriots, and the Philadelphia Eagles at Washington football team, which is still horrendous to say, but that's what it is. Let's start up at the top, man. Your Cleveland Browns at Baltimore. Baltimore, of course, last year, just a couple of plays away from uh, going to the Super Bowl if Derrick Henry didn't run over them. They come back to get the Browns. Browns have a couple upgrades this year. Of course, they just had the uh, the additional signing, uh, an upgrade of Kareem Hunt. They bring in Jack Conklin. They have some defensive moves and uh, a bounce back, hopefully, for them uh, with Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham Jr. here. So we know your distaste in general for the Browns, but do you think they have a chance at all here opening day against Baltimore? Uh, I – I liked the spread here. It's right around seven and a half to eight, just because that's outrageous for a week one, even though it is the Ravens. I, I guess I'm against the thought that people say the Ravens have to regress. They have to regress. No way they can do it. But they were 32nd in the league in passing attempts. I think that's going to go up this year, meaning that, yes, they're going to regress. But to me, that this means they're going to be more valuable than they were last year on all aspects of this piece, this team. Um, I just don't see any really true advantages for Cleveland in this matchup to target, I guess. I mean, the Ravens really, the one thing they screwed up on last year was the the, the longevity of their run, rush defense, which we saw when the, the Browns ran all over them in week three or four, I think. And then when the Titans ran all over them in the playoffs and all the Ravens did would go, was go out and fix their front seven. So I think it's going to be a close game, I would think, but I don't think the Browns have a chance to win for – fantasy purposes I don't think this this extends out more than starting the main guys which are uh, Lamar Jackson Ingram Chubb Hunt the Cleveland receivers they have a huge downgrade going against the secondary but you have to start them. and I think Mark Andrews has a good has a good matchup percentage uh, on PFF uh, number four matchup advantage in terms of like positive matchup advantage against uh, Sione Taki Taki for the, the Browns there that's, that's a name right there uh, he only had 30 coverage snaps last year. He got the start this year in camp, so we'll see how that plays out. But it's definitely a, a spot to target there with Mark Andrews, who should be a top player this week. One name I didn't hear you mention was Hollywood Brown. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I think he, I'll just have to see what he can do this year. I, I've kind of been lower on consensus on rankings, on where to draft him on evaluation, because it's one of those things where we can take game splits where – he played, I don't know, there's like stupid ones. Like he had three targets in this game when he put up more points. Well, yeah, if you get more targets in the game, the chance of you finishing more fantasy points compared to the games where you get less targets, it's pr- probably pretty high or it should be high at least. But then there's also the games where he didn't get a single target or he got one target or less, and those have to count too. So I guess I just struggled to figure out what to do with him. Um, Cleveland's defense is all right. Denzel Ward's good. I just think that. 
Andrews has such a mismatch that there's no point of trying to guard Andrews in a sense that they're just going to focus on Hollywood who can beat him uh, for a more uh, deep ball play in a way. If you happen to have both Browns running backs, who would you be playing in PPR? And standard, obviously, it's it's going to be Chubb over Hunt every time pretty much. If you happen to have them both in PPR, would you play both of them? If not, who would you play over the other one? Yeah, I mean, I, I got to say both just because the the ADP you have, Hunt, you didn't draft a fifth-round guy to sit week one. Um, I, I say start both every single week this year just because I, that's, the offense is going to run through them. We, we, we know that's going to be a fact. We know that they're going to run the ball. If I had to lean one in PPR, I would say Chubb still, I think. Because, like, I mean, even though Hunt will get four to five catches, the, the rushing volume that Chubb should see with the, like I mentioned, the 15 rushing attempts inside the five for negative two yards and one touchdown, uh, the, those, those will catch back up. And I think that – I think every single week it will probably not – I mean, I can't guarantee you it will be Chubb out producing him, but I think that's the play every week if you have to pick one. But I think both are fantastic plays every week. Got it. All right, let's move on to Seattle at Atlanta. Seattle looking to bounce back, of course, and uh, after a, a disappointing exit from the playoffs last year. And the Atlanta Falcons, who seem to kind of under-impress each season, but it is an even year here. We should have a big bounce back from Matt Ryan, of course, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley. They bring in Todd Gurley, Russell Gage looking as a nice prospect, and they bring in Hayden Hurst as well. We're going to do our pick here at the end of the episode, so we'll kind of save that. But – Lucas, we know that Seattle is one of the most dominant teams at home in Seattle with the 12s, but that's also a big part of that is the crowd, right? There is no crowd as we know it, no matter what teams are doing this year in the NFL, and this game is on the road. So how do you think Atlanta is going to do in their first game here with a fresh season against Seattle, who kind of has a chip on their shoulder after next year? I think this is going to be kind of a fireworks game, and honestly – Spoiler alert, I'm probably down to start everybody in this game. Yeah, no, this is definitely going to be um, – What I hope I get this game on TV. If not, I'll have Red Zone going or streaming or whatever. But I'll definitely have this one at all times. This is really, really favorable matchups on basically every side. Seattle's O-line has a little bit less of an advantage or right around average against Atlanta's D-line uh, just because Seattle's O-line is on paper or on raw stats – not that great, but every year they still outperform what they should. So I'm not too worried about that. Yeah, I think both Russell Wilson and Matt Ryan have to be top eight ranked quarterbacks this week. They get, I think it's an over under 49. I think it's like the third or fourth highest. That for one just ticks off that these quarterbacks be throwing a lot. I don't know if you can hear the rain in the back, but it's, it's raining pretty good finally now. Uh, so if you hear any background noise, that's what that is. Uh, the running backs, like, I don't even want to say like they're smash starts because like, you have to play him every week. Like, you're never going to say Chris Carson or Todd Gurley just because you're going to look – you're going to be watching this game and you're going to be like, oh, Todd Gurley had 20 rushing attempts or Chris Carson had 20 rushing attempts. Like, we know that's a fact that they're going to get a lot of volume. It's just a matter of when they'll get hurt or how they'll, how they'll actually be used sort of with these pass-heavy or pass uh, – high-efficiency passing offenses. I wouldn't say pass-heavy because Seattle doesn't like to hashtag let Russ cook, which we'll see this year. Uh, but DK Metcalf, I think, is one spot where he plays out. He has to go. He goes against Isaiah Oliver this week, and he has a really high matchup advantage. Isaiah Oliver was okay last year, not that great. But when Isaiah Oliver was targeted last year, he allowed 106 QBR. Now you move in. I think the best quarterback in the league to go to go target this matchup in a big play game when 
I know that Seattle looks at these matchup advantages. They play very strategically because they have to. This team's not good enough to go to the playoffs every year, and they still do it. So Metcalf, I think, is a huge target this week if you, I guess, DFS or something like that, or just really in general. Like, obviously, you're starting DK, but, like, ultimate confidence there. Lockett, I don't even want to say play Lockett. He's fine in the slot. I think the slot corner, it might be uh, Terrell they drafted out of it. The depth chart that I take this with a grain of salt every because today is like unofficial depth chart day or whatever, official depth chart day or whatever. Don't worry about those. I'm not too worried. We'll see on Sunday. And then the tight ends, um, Atlanta and Seattle were very exploitable, you could say, against tight ends last year. So Hayden Hurst. And I put down Greg Olson. Again, I don't know. Depth chart has Olson as the one, but is Will Disney playing? Is Parkinson playing? Is Hollister playing? We'll see. Um, but I think Hurst is definitely a start. And if you're if you're pushing for it, which I hope you're not in week one, but Greg Olson is definitely an okay start too. I like it. And again, I, we're expecting fireworks here. So fire up all of your weapons for, for all of these teams here, or for both of these teams. I think we're going to be just fine. All right, man, let's move on to the New York Jets and the Buffalo Bills. This is a big one in the division right off the bat here. We don't really know what to expect from the Jets. Obviously, let down the last couple of years. Uh, we had Sam Darnold out for a couple of weeks with Mono last year. Le'Veon Bell obviously had his situation. Adam Gase, kind of the, the joke of the league as far as coaches go. But then you have the Buffalo Bills, man, who honestly really have an opportunity here to take down the division if everybody can stay healthy. Um, and if Cam is not Cam Newton of old and the Patriots slip, the Buffalo Bills really have an opportunity here to take down the AFC East. So this is a big one in Buffalo right off the bat here. What do you expect? Usually this kind of game is you, you kind of don't play anybody. Both these defenses are pretty solid. Neither one of these quarterbacks is fireworks per se. Neither one of these running games is fireworks per se. Therefore, the wide receivers aren't either. However, there could be a couple couple gems in here. Who are you feeling on this game for your starts? Yeah, I, I put down before I even did research, don't start any Jets, but the volume play of Le'Veon Bell. And then when you actually go and look at it, like there's not a chance you want to start any of these guys. The three Buffalo corners – uh, Dwayne made the case that it's probably the best secondary in the league, and I'm right there with him, them and the Patriots. Uh, the three starting corners allowed a QBR when they were targeted, an average of 72.63 last year. It's amazing. I don't think Sam Darnold is going to overcome the secondary with weapons of, is Perriman even going to play, Crowder and Denzel Mims and Chris Herndon, if he's even going to play. We don't even know. Frank Gore. So it's just, I guess, Lev Bell just for the volume play. Nothing on the Jets' side, though. They're, this is a, this was my survivor pool pick. So, like, that shows how much in week one I'm going to use the Bills right away. I don't think the Jets stand a chance. On the flip side, though, the Jets' secondary or defense in general, but mainly secondary is um, – well, here, okay, we'll go through these names. Blessing Austin, you know who that is, or Pierre Desir. Apparently, yep. there's, they're the starting cornerbacks for this team. Weren't on the team – well, Blessing Austin was, but he, like, didn't play that much last year. Both really inexperienced, have like lack of 100 or less. Desir has like a good amount of coverage snaps, but he's average. But Austin has like less than 100 coverage snaps. And Brian Poole is their slot corner, so he'll play outside. But when uh, the Bills, who run with a lot, a lot of 11 personnel, will come in to watch play three corners. So I, I draw the line at Beasley, but I'd say Diggs and John Brown fire him up this week. It really only takes one long ball for those guys to have a good week. And it's not like the Jets defense, especially now with no Adams in the back end, is going to be able to keep up with this Bills team. There's a lot of talk preseason about Singletary losing snaps, fumbling a little bit, not catching the ball as well. And your boy, 
Zach Moss has done a great job to maybe move up that depth chart. They're probably 1A, 1B to get started here like a lot of rookies are. However, there's definitely a chance that Zach Moss can take over the bulk of this carries, even if he is the quote-unquote Frank Gore only. Um, great opportunity there for him. If you had to start one of those Bills backs, who are you starting this week? You got to go Singletary week one. I, I don't – eventually I'll have them ranked close on a week-on-week basis, but you got to project that Singletary is going to be the starter week one. He's going to get – four to five targets, get his 13 to 14 rushing attempts. I mean, I think we'll we'll revisit, I think, this question next week when we see, or me and Dwayne will on stat, right, the, the Moss usage. Uh, the, the red zone, if you are watching this game, the red zone is the one spot that I would pay the most attention to. Really, who comes out there right away and kind of how, uh, what plays are called when, when each running back is out there in the red zone or, or just really on the, the other half of the field in general. Also, keep an eye on Josh Allen as a rusher, Two last year, he had five of his nine rushing touchdowns were after Frank Gore got the carry once or twice on the goal line and couldn't commit. So, or couldn't execute, I should say. So Zach Moss is able to pile some of those in. Josh Allen might have less rushing attempts. We know that he struggles a little bit downfield, but he does bring in one of the most accurate and efficient ADOT receivers uh, in Stephon Diggs. So hopefully that'll increase there for Buffalo. Uh, I feel good about both of these defenses, especially Buffalo though, if you're DST, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think they're – Buffalo, yeah. I, I've been trying to target them in all my drafts. They usually end up getting taken because they're just a big-name defense anyways. But I think the Jets would be like my last resort play. Um, it, it's going to be a low-scoring game. So, like, that, that you're not really going for, like, a 10-point performance out of the Jets. You're just not taking a negative or a zero in a way. I, I think Adams is going to be a huge loss for this team. Like, you – you would have been maybe a little bit confident if they would have had Adams against this, uh, I guess you could say, explosive offense the Bills have if they hit some of these deep balls. But now no Adams. Uh, it concerns me a little bit in the terms of now they have Brown and Diggs coming at him, but I still think the Jets would be like a, a last resort uh, streamer or if you drafted him or whatever uh, in your draft. I agree. So we're expecting quite a bit of a defensive battle there in Buffalo with the Jets and the Bills. However – we are not expecting a defensive battle with Carolina and the newly Las Vegas Raiders here. This game could be a, a very sneaky shootout here and especially fruitful for fantasy football here with little defense on both sides of the football. Vegas, of course, the formerly Oakland Raiders, uh, Derek Carr is back. They put my boy Marcus Mariota on IR, so it looks like there is no competition for now. At least they bring in Brian Edwards and Henry Ruggs to, I think, long-term great wide receivers, both awesome rookies who are going to be starting right away. Tabrell Williams is out already. Renfro did well enough last year. They have Waller back, of course, and then Josh Jacobs in the backfield. On the other side, Carolina, of course, runs through CMC. We all know about that. DJ Moore should have a huge tick up again this year with Matt Rule coming in and Joe Brady, but there's also some other sneaky weapons here. Your boy, Teddy Two Gloves, and then you have uh, Robbie Anderson on the outside as well. Maybe Curtis Samuel, potentially Ian Thomas, there's a lot of kind of deeper names. CMC and DJ Moore and Josh Jacobs are really the only ones that I think jump off the page for me. Darren Waller too, I guess, who are the automatic starts. Everybody else is kind of a deeper sleeper. Uh, but I think that you can definitely find some uh, DFS money at least in this game, but uh, certainly some kind of sleeper potential where any of these deep receivers could potentially go for about, you know, five and a hundred and a touchdown or two in this game. Yeah, this is the one where – uh, I, I missed out on betting the total, uh, locking into that contest this week. 
but I, I locked in the spread at minus uh, two and a half for the Raiders this week, literally immediately. And then I actually went and did research and it was just confirming my bias. So the Raiders come in, uh, sorry, the Panthers come into this game. Obviously, the whole new turnover, no defense returning, all that stuff. They allowed 1.94 rushing touchdowns per game last year. That's per game. Now you're inserting Josh Jacobs. I moved Josh Jacobs up to my RB4 this week. Uh, I'm going to play him in DFS. Uh, not that you're concerned to start him, but, but if he's your RB1, don't feel any bit concerned. He's going to have a big week. He doesn't need to catch balls to have a good week. His guy's not going to catch balls. Let's not act like Lynn Bowden getting traded before he even took the field is going to mean Josh Jacobs is going to catch more balls here. Um, the Panthers lost Bruce Irving, Don Terry Poe, Gerald McCoy, Vernon Butler, James Bradbury, Mario Addison, Luke Keekley. Out of those, three of those players were in the top of their run grade defense on PFF last year. They lost their top two tacklers, you know, a whole new front seven besides uh, Shaq Thompson. But he's more of a pass coverage guy or just kind of an all-around sort of linebacker, nothing huge. They come in now with three new corners in Eli Apple, or Dante Jackson was there, and Burris, who was a safety. That's now the slot, slot corner. So uh, Jackson allowed 111 QBR when being targeted. Now you bring in one of the most accurate quarterbacks last season in Derek Carr. Uh, you bring in this Burris guy in the slot, which the Raiders will run a lot of 11 personnel, maybe some 12, but they have Jason Witten. But he only had 88 coverage snaps last year. You're, you're switching in positions, lack of coverage snaps in week one on a bad defense, recipe for disaster. Eli Apple, about 107 passer rating when targeted last year. I, I could literally make every single case for the flip side because DJ Moore gets Damon Arnett, a rookie. They cut Prince of Mukamara. So if you still feel comfortable taking the, the points here, which I still would exactly too, this is going to be a shootout. I don't even know if it's like a game that like I want to watch necessarily because these defenses are going to be bad, but I think it's going to be a fantasy point uh, gold mine here for the Vegas Raiders and the Panthers. Yeah, it's going to be fireworks, man. I think for fantasy football, these are kind of the fun games where, like, unless you're – well, I guess Raider fans are all over, uh, especially the West Coast. But in Carolina, you're either a Carolina fan or you're somebody else down there, right? So there's not a lot of people necessarily rooting for these games on an NFL level, but there's a lot of fantasy players who have a lot of investment here. So I think that could be that could be a lot of fun. Also, it's going to be interesting to see, man. I mean, you know, CMC has been – I mean, I'm in, like – an embarrassing amount of drafts. I'm like 12 or 15 drafts. Plus I did about a hundred mocks this season. And outside of a couple of super flex leagues where a quarterback went first, CMC was the first one off the board in every single draft. So of course there's going to be uh, the whole entire fantasy community watching this Panthers and Raiders game here Sunday morning. All right, man, let's move on to the Chicago bears and the Detroit lions, another divisional game to kick off here. Chicago comes in with the quarterback controversy. They end up naming Mitch Trubisky. I don't necessarily agree with it. I also don't disagree with it. You and I have talked about it numerous times. Dwayne and I talked about it the other day. He is our house bears fan, legit bears fan. we got his take on it. It seems a little bit silly that they've been doing this wraparound. I am glad that they gave Mitch at least, you know, a couple days of advance instead of this, you know, last minute heads up. But there are some other weapons here. Obviously, Allen Robinson. We have Anthony Miller as well. But we lose um, DeMont, David Montgomery, and Tariq Cohen looking to pick up in PPR leagues. On the other side here, Matt Stafford coming back after a busted season last year when he was absolutely on fire on pace to be the number two in points per game. He goes out week nine. The rest is history with the Lions losing out 
but then they have Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones comes back. They have Kerryon Johnson and rookie DeAndre Swift, but they bring in the Hall of Famer Adrian Peterson as well. TJ Hawkinson looking for a bounce back. There's a lot going on in this game as well. A lot of names, a lot of general fantasy plays, but when you take into consideration the Chicago Bears defense overall with the Lions offense, and then you take you know the Chicago lack of offense with the Detroit defense, I don't know, man. I mean, you know, you got to start your studs week one. So there's a couple automatics here, but there's not as many as maybe there would be later in the season. Yeah, I think this this has the the recipe for sort of a sneaky shootout in a way. Um, Kenny Galladay goes against rookie Jalen Johnson. Obviously, like these guys, when I say these aren't like every single snap going against them, but for the most part, they will be. Um, Marvin Jones gets a good matchup advantage against uh, Kendall, or Kyle Fuller, who was above league average and – Yards per reception allowed, touchdowns allowed, all that stuff. Uh, but Detroit has the the single-handedly worst pass percentage matchup advantage at a negative 54%, which is very, very bad. Meaning that they're going to be throwing the ball, which we want, but they're going to have to throw the ball. Swift is to be determined at the time of recording this. I don't know if he's going to play or not. It sounds like no, but like they haven't ruled him out yet. And it's Tuesday, so we'll see how that plays out. KJ is going to be the starter. AP is going to take over Scarborough's role. So I think it's just more of a – me and Dwayne said, play play carry on this week um, in your flex if you need to. Don't expect anything more than just a bunch of rushing volume and maybe a touchdown. But I think this is a, a game where on the flip side too, Trubisky, last year he was one of my favorite guys to play against bad defenses because for some reason the splits were there, which I didn't pull it up, which I should have. But no one wanted to buy in because there's this persona that since – Mahomes got drafted after him that Trubisky is like a bottom feeder quarterback and like no he's not Sam Darnold guys he's not that bad he's an okay quarterback especially against good defenses which is or bad defenses which is Detroit a ton of turnover on this secondary they're bringing in Akuda who I think is a fantastic corner but in week one perfect time to target this rookie so I think in Superflex play Trubisky if you have to play A-Rob um monitor David Montgomery. If Montgomery's healthy, you got to play him. Cohen's a fine play, even especially if Montgomery's out. Uh, but besides that, I think it's more of a – instead of fading all these guys, play the guys you normally would play on a weekend, week week basis for the Bears and the Lions. I agree. I agree. And I'm tempering expectations, though, because that Bears defense may be a little lax in the secondary, but we saw two years ago uh, they were by far the best defense in the league there. So we'll see what they can do this league. But I do expect a major upgrade here from the Lions overall for fantasy and NFL purposes, assuming that Matt Stafford and company can stay healthy. All right, man, we got a couple more games left before we do that. Let's take a quick commercial break. Just check in with everybody. Once again, if you are new to the program, this is week one of the NFL season. I can't believe we're actually here, Lucas, man. Super fired up. We have been on a couple of different networks here this summer. We've been doing Twitch stuff. We've been doing YouTube stuff. We were with Landry Football. Had a great time over there for the month of August trying something new. We are back to our regular scheduling program and on our platform. So if you're interested in tuning into more of what the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast can bring you, of course, you can listen wherever you're listening now. If that's on a podcast, please leave us a rate and review. We would much appreciate it. You can also find us at tckpod.com. We have an in-season draft guide available for just five bucks. And for 10 bucks, we have the ability to get some one-on-one coaching from Lucas, myself, our buddy Dwayne, who you can catch on Mondays or on Tuesdays, excuse me, um, and the Kamish FFP crew, who will also be a part of that teamwork. 
You can also find us on social media at fantasy football underscore TCK pod and on Twitter at TCK underscore pod. Give us a like and a follow there, drop a couple comments and tune in. And also we will be having a weekly live stream Sunday mornings. Lucas and I will be up one hour before kickoff, whatever your scheduled timing is around the country, one hour before kickoff. Lucas and I will be live on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. You can find us. We'll probably be rotating channels uh, to check in with everybody, but check in with us, give us your start sits and let us know if you have any questions throughout the week. And we can put that in our mailbag at the end of the weeks as well. Once again, this is the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast, and we are happy to be back with you for season three. This is week one, and we're going to finish up our early breakdowns of the games, and then tomorrow we'll get into our afternoons and evening breakdowns as well. All right, Lucas, let's keep trucking along here. The Indianapolis Colts head down to Jacksonville. Again, another divisional game here. It's pretty big when you have divisional games. The Actually, the next four uh, are divisional games here. It's big when you have divisional games right off the bat. Um, because you really never know what's going to happen in these divisional games in general, especially week one. And again, it's going to be really interesting to see some of these teams like, uh, well, the Chiefs are different, but Arrowhead Stadium, uh, Seattle, I already mentioned. Um, Denver, I think, Mile High Stadium. Uh, you also have uh, the Saints in the Superdome. Um, Dallas, some of these teams that have incredible crowds, um, the black hole, if you will, uh, for the Raiders, how they are going to travel. Um, we're not going to have fans. And if we do have fans, we're going to have about 33 capacity in some of these stadiums. So the noise isn't going to be as much of a factor in years past, the intimidation, all these other things. I wonder how that's going to, that's going to tune up here. And so being outdoors down in Jacksonville, I think it's probably going to be a beautiful Florida day there. The Colts have a total revamp at the quarterback position. Obviously Phillip Rivers comes in, they bring in Jonathan Taylor as well. They bring in Michael Pittman jr. Who was one of my favorite rookie receivers. They still have T Y Hilton, but he's getting a little long in the tooth. And then they have Marlon Mack still as well, one of the best offensive lines. So will they rely on Phillip Rivers or will they go with the run game? And then you have, on the other side, Jacksonville, who has completely unloaded their defense. They got rid of um, pretty much every single player from that 2017 domination where uh, Saxonville was easily the best defense in the league. They got rid of that. But then you bring in Garner Minshew for year two here. You bring in DJ Chark, who many expect to really take the next – leap there and then they get rid of Leonard Fournette as well who's down in Tampa Bay uh, or I should say up in Tampa Bay from uh, from Jacksonville um, but they are basically running a bunch of no-name running backs if you will uh, so Lucas what can you expect here from Jacksonville and the Col and uh, Indianapolis I mean there's a bunch of names that eventually I think will be fun for fantasy football I'm not sure I'm excited to really like I'm not excited to start anybody in this entire game. I, I don't know. I, I guess I have a different take here. So the, the Colts line has the number one matchup on the pass percentage and the rush percentage, meaning they're, they're going to they're gonna run all over this new Jacksonville defense. Uh, Jack Doyle goes against Miles Jack, who uh, allowed a 73% reception percentage when targeted, 13.3 yards per reception, and 119 QBR when targeted. Now you bring in Rivers, who I've mentioned all offseason. Loves the throw to the tight end. Like, the, the, this Jack Doral thing is happening as much as we don't want it to. Uh, it's going to happen. Uh, T.Y. Hilton gets Trey Herndon, which you probably haven't heard of him if you're just listening uh, for a good reason because he is terrible. 17.4 yards per reception allowed last year when targeted. Four TDs on 37 receptions. And uh, T.Y. has a 25% matchup advantage, kind of like in the, ten to the team's range of a matchup percentage. And what is TYD best? Makes big plays, 17.4 yards yard per reception allowed for Herndon. 
Uh, Chark gets Rhodes or Rakuten. We'll see how this rotation gets to go. Rakuten was about average last year, and Rhodes was absolutely brutal last year. Uh, allowed 131 QBR when targeted and an 83% reception percentage. So I think I think there's no way the Colts lose this game. I was going to bet the spread when it's at seven. It's at like eight now for a good reason, uh, just because it, it's moved up because uh, the Colts – uh, there's no way they lose this game. I don't think Gardner Minshew comes back on this front seven the Colts have. They have an okay secondary, but th- there's no way this defense stops this run attack. Uh, we, me and Duane made the case yesterday that we are starting Mac over Jonathan Taylor. I'm ranking Mac over Jonathan Taylor this week. Uh, if I lose because of that, then that's a good thing because that means Jonathan Taylor is the starter, but I would play Mac over Taylor uh, just because – it's simple fantasy football. We all know what happened with David Montgomery last year, week one. It's going to happen with Jonathan Taylor this week. Now, asking for a friend, would you still start Jonathan Taylor, though, if you didn't have Marlon Mack as an option? To me, he's nothing more than a flex play this week. I can't play him as my RB2 uh, just because I an RB2, you're wanting to get, what, 12 points a week in PPR? I bet. I see a realm where Jonathan Taylor could get it, but in a in a just looking at it right away, like looking at it from uh, giving advice to every single person that has him on their roster, you're better off finding a better spot as your RB two. If there's no other option, obviously play him, but I'd throw him the flex at the highest. I kind of think that there could be a scenario here where you know Philip Rivers is fired up early in the season and he's able to jump all over this defense, and if they're able to do that and Garner can't pick it up because listen, you know. I think the Colts defense is a sneaky NFL unit and fantasy football streamer this week, DST wise. Uh, but the Colts defense is pretty solid as well. So if the Colts end up up two, three touchdowns at halftime, which I could see happening even on the road, it could go the other way too, I guess, if, if Minshew uh, is feeling it. But I really do think that the Colts could really take control of this game early. If they're up a couple touchdowns, they might give the fourth quarter to somebody like Jonathan Taylor just to see what they got going on let Marlon Mack rest. Marlon Mack might already have 120 yards anyway, so they might shut it down here. So I, I, I never, ever will start a guy banked, banking on garbage time. But there are scenarios where it comes into play, and I could see this particular game with what the Colts want to do eventually with Jonathan Taylor, that if this game gets up or if Marlon Mack gets his, gets his stats up and he gets his work in in the first three quarters – even if Jonathan Taylor hasn't done anything, he could play just 15 minutes. He's got the ability to break a 40-yard touchdown run. That could, you know, bring you back your value there. So I hear you. Um, I would be looking for other options if I have them just for week one. And you're right. It's going to be a tough pill to swallow. If Jonathan Taylor comes out, he gets, you know, 60% of the snaps on a 60-40 split, and he ends up with 120 and two touchdowns. Everyone's going to be like, oh, well, we saw it coming, blah, blah, blah. But you're right. That sets the table for the rest of the season. I think I'd rather eat that than – start him hoping for something and then it just ends up like every other rookie situation where he gets six carries and 23 yards and you know it ends up busting so if you do have a better option I agree you should go with Jonathan Taylor although if you're stuck I think this is a plus matchup for him and the rest of the Colts as well all right man let's jump into the Green Bay Packers and the Minnesota Vikings this one obviously highly contested always a great game uh, great rivalry matchup here. We got Aaron Rodgers going against his nemesis, the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings have had quite the turnover on defense, though. They also lose Stephon Diggs, as we know. Dalvin Cook looks to be playing, even though they cut off contract uh, negotiations there. Madison right behind him. Kirk Cousins should be just fine. BC Johnson has had a great camp. They also have Justin Jefferson. On the other side, we know about Rodgers and Tay Adams. 
Aaron Jones is in contract conversations as well with Green Bay, which I think kind of gives a lot of fantasy owners some relief there. Um, but outside of Rodgers, Aaron Jones, and Tay Adams, I mean, is there anybody on the Green Bay, def- uh, Green Bay offense that you would consider playing in week one, namely Alan Lazard, uh, who has got, you know, some run at, at the number two here. So per usual, this game should have plenty of, you know, top-heavy fantasy value, but I don't think there's a lot of depth in the players available. Yeah, I don't mind Lazard in a deeper league just because this Vikings – this is the week to target this Vikings secondary or the first couple of weeks because if there's a time to turn over, two new rookies are probably going to start or get worked in or whatever. But I, I – uh, yeah, I guess a deeper flex. Just keep holding, though. Don't, uh, don't drop if he doesn't perform because he's going to be number two in uh, wide receiver snaps outside of Adams. Uh, the, the Green Bay Packers are not favored for some reason. I don't know why. Minnesota's O-line did not get any better. They go against one of the better pass rush teams last year in the Packers. That's a huge massive matchup advantage for the Packers. Like I said, Rodgers is pissed. As many people, as much as people want to, I get it, hasn't graded as good as he did when he was in his prime. Neither is Tom Brady. No one wants to talk about that one, though. So, yes, Rodgers has been declining, but he's pissed. The whole Jordan Love thing. And Jordan Love wasn't even the backup quarterback on the depth chart. So, who cares? That just proves your point there. I think he's going to come out angry. I think he's going to come out against the secondary that he knows has a bunch of turnover in his week and just get after him. I, I, I love the Packers this week in a pick em and a matchup spread or whatever you want to say. In any matchup, they, all these players get a boost uh, just based off the situation the Vikings are in right away this year. All right. I like it. You think they're going to feed Thielen? They have to, right? They have to. Like, I, I have Thielen ranked high. I love Thielen. But it's just going to be one of those players where, like, every week I'm going to be like, all right, now catch it and go farther than five yards. Catch it, go farther than five <laughs> yards. Like, it's going to be like the it's going to be like Edelman, but like, you know, I, I don't know. Like, it's it's he gets the touchdowns though. Thielen gets yeah. the touchdowns that Edelman doesn't. You know, it's just one of those things where, like, I'd rather just watch a different game if I have Thielen playing because I just. If Thielen goes down, like this offense might be bottom five in the league. That that's the yep. problem because you can't rely on Jefferson and two tight ends to run this offense. You can barely rely on Thielen, Jefferson, and two tight ends to run an offense, a passing offense that is. So, yeah, it has to go through him. We'll see. I I can see a thirteen target week for Thielen, and I don't think that's out of the realm of possibilities because Jefferson, frankly, just isn't going to start this week. They've made that obvious. Uh, the whole tight end, Irv Smith, Kyle Rudolph thing. They run a lot of twelve personnel, so I think Thielen's a I think I have it like six this week in my rankings. Awesome. I totally agree there. And I can see, again, this is another game that I could see going either way here with Green Bay coming out hot or Minnesota really being able to kind of punch them in the mouth. So we'll see what happens there. I'm excited to see what happens with Dalvin Cook too, because I think he's been one of the most nerve wracking fantasy options here throughout the season. All right, man, two more games here real quick. Miami and New England for years and years and years and years and years. This was an automatic W opening day in New England. They're going to roll the the Miami Dolphins. We saw the Miami Dolphins come out last year and get absolutely throttled by Baltimore. However, <laughs> it's a new season here. Miami, I think, on paper matches up well with New England overall. We don't know what Cam Newton's actually going to bring for the New England Patriots. Obviously, Tom Brady long gone at this point. For the Miami Dolphins, man, Fitzmagic is going to be down to chuck it. Miami is it has New England's number more than anybody else for sure over the last five seasons. They do get some grunt defense uh, performances and some great opportunities. 
opportunity. So if Cam Newton is not himself, I know he looks good. He looks like he feels good. He's dancing and doing all of this stuff to keep himself loose. That's super awesome for the TV. But when it comes down to it, when he takes a hard sack, when he misses a throw, when he throws a pick, when he has to make the decision to run, which version of Cam Newton are we actually going to get? I'm a bit nervous about that. Damien Harris goes on the IR for at least three weeks with a busted finger. Sony Michelle busted. James White, I think, is going to be all day long. Your boy Jules, what is Nikhil Harry going to be? What is his defense going to do after being the dominant defense from last year? Miami side, two new running backs, Jordan Howard, Matt Breida. They also have Preston Williams and Devontae Parker, Mike Kosicki. Honestly, man, this one I think is going to be a lot closer than maybe people are used to up in New England. Uh, I don't know. The Dolphins, Dwayne said it yesterday, haven't won in New England in like 10 years. He said it was when the uh, like the read option or triple option – no, sorry, Wildcat was first implemented in the NFL. Oh, yeah, Ronnie, Ronnie Brown, baby. Ronnie Brown. Yeah. The, this – I guess – okay. So, I – as people know, I look into the advanced stats of all this stuff because that's actually what happens, not what people see on TV. Brady was not good last year. I was skeptical about this whole Cam Newton thing, and they have made it known that he is completely fine. He looks just like he did a couple of years ago. The Dolphins team is not good. Like, they're, they're trending in the right direction. They have two good corners, and then, yeah, that's, that, that's it. That's the rest of their defense. They, they sound Kyle Vannoy, but a 30, almost 30-year-old 30 edge rusher who, frankly, came from the team that he's playing this week, so they're going to know how to beat him, isn't going to make this game any better I guess I don't I don't know like I get I get it could be close but I'm locking in my cam Edelman and white stacks I the, the white and there's no Sanu and I know that uh last week Mish guys were talking about no Sanu like they were might have to be higher than me on Edelman they might have to be higher in Edelman than me it's still not going to happen they they are going to destroy this game I white might honestly have more rushing attempts than Sony because he's banged up Damian Harris isn't playing Burkhead is just going to get his Burkhead role so I just don't – I guess I just can't envision a game where Fitzmagic puts it all together in week one against this New England team who probably is going to be pissed off that everyone thinks they're not that good because they're below average quarterback in all metrics left last year. So I guess I, I, guess I have a different view um, on it, but I guess I'm above. I'm above consensus on New England just in general with what I think they can do with this new team who, frankly, honestly, their offense could be better than it was last year because it was not good last year. Over under one catch for Devin Ross. He got cut, so under. <laughs> uh, sorry, right, Commissioner. Sorry, Chris, I, yeah. I, I, must, I must have missed that one. We didn't have it on breaking news, so I, uh, <laughs> I didn't have that one. So Devin Ross, uh, probably going to be a 49er because they could use anybody right now. All right, man, last game, and then we're going to blaze through our pickums here. Philadelphia at Washington. Philadelphia comes in. As of right now, everybody but Alshon Jeffrey is healthy-ish. In Philadelphia Eagle terms, if they're about 65%, we'll take it as a win. Miles Sanders looking to be good to go. Boston Scott right behind him. Carson Wentz, as of right now, is healthy-ish. Jalen Rager's out, though. They have Alshon Jeffrey out until at least probably week seven. Djax is going to be good week one. Uh, J.J. Arstega-Whiteside, I guess. But for the number two, your boy Greg Ward, Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard. Obviously, a lot of options here. Philadelphia DST for you DST players out there. Philadelphia DST is one of my favorite streamers this particular week versus the Washington franchise on that side. You get Dwayne Haskins getting the start. Terry McLaurin is automatic. I think is your wide receiver. What two, three flex maybe 
running back position. I want to talk to you about this here. This is going to get real deep. There's no one else really on this Washington roster I'm even considering, probably weekly, certainly not against this Philadelphia defense outside of Terry McLaurin. But this running back squad just got shooken up. AP obviously goes to Detroit. They promote Antonio Gibson, who has looked great. They also have Bryce Love coming back from basically a redshirt rookie season last year. He looks good. They still have J.D. McKissick. They still have Peyton Barber. Darius Geis is, of course, gone. What is there anybody outside of Terry McLaurin that you're willing to start? So Antonio Gibson or Bryce Love, are you willing to start them against Philadelphia this week? And if so, who? And on the Philadelphia side, is there anybody you're not willing to start? Yeah, I on Philadelphia, they have uh, number four uh, pass percentage line advantage, number two running. They're going to, they're going to, in a way, they're going to run all over this team. Uh, so Sanders, fire them up. Boston Scott, fire them up. Uh, Wentz, yeah, you got to do it. Uh, Greg Ward, sneaky. I know we'll have to play him in probably one of our, one of our leagues as a second flex. Uh, D-Jack, start him. Reger's not going to play week one and Ertz, fire him up. Uh, that, that's pretty easy evaluation for me. Terry, he, he had a huge matchup advantage this week against Devontae Maddox. Smash him. Remember last last time when Terry broke out, it was against the Eagles. And that was when they kind of had their, I guess, running it back Super Bowl defense in a way. Um, I, I don't mind stacking Haskins and Terry, hoping for a big shot. Haskins was really good last year in the back end of the year. We'll see if he can build off on that. Um, he won the starting job, whatever that means, against Kyle Allen and Alex Smith. So we'll see. Um, the, the whole running back situation, McKissick got put as a starter today. And I get that, like, that doesn't – people people like to glance over things and evaluate it so it looks like they're right on Twitter to a certain extent. Uh, last year, Mike Davis was listed as a starting running back, and people thought I was crazy when I said to sit David Montgomery around week one. And Montgomery had, like, ten total touches. McKissick got listed as the starter. I get that doesn't mean he's going to be the starter the whole season. But that doesn't mean Gibson's going to trot out there and be the workhorse week one. Also, I know me and Dwayne were talking about it, that Gibson had 71 career college touches. 71. That's probably like bottom five ever for a guy that's ranked in the top 25 for most analysts in, in his rookie year in running back status. Getting rid of a 36-year-old running back should not raise a guy in your rankings 40 spots on the Washington football team. So like there, there's this like disconnect between like, apparently AP was this like God of a guy that like that he leaves and Gibson's this like full-time RB2. And then I, I come back to it. Then why wasn't AP your RB30? Why wasn't he up there if he's really that big, a deal, big of a deal? So I would just not start any of these running backs. Uh, DFS, Gibson's going to be the highest on running backs. So just don't play him because if you play him, then you're not getting an advantage on your team or on the field in general. So I just have a different take on this backfield. This will probably take two to three weeks of data to even figure out who the hell the starter is. Because I don't even know if Bryce Love's going to play. If he comes back week two, is he the starter? Is Peyton Barber the starter? Is McKissick the starter? Can Gibson actually be the starter? I, I don't know. And I don't like when people act like they know. Because it's the it, – on a, a blanket level statement, if you ask someone week in and week out, would they start the running back for the football team? No one would say yes. No one. And now why is this guy that had 71 career college touches? Lots of hype. Lots of hype. I, I think you just hit the nail on the head, man. And this is a big, obviously now could Antonio, could Gibson come out 
and again, have two touchdowns and end up with like 20 plus fantasy points because it works out for him hundred percent. Anybody could do that any given week, but I think you just nailed what we're trying to do here, Lucas, which is provide reason behind decisions. Now we're not going to be right every single time. You can't be right every single time, but the thought process of what you just said, I think is very important for people to bring into fantasy circles, which is the coaches decided to put JD McKissick, who we all know (laughs) has no business being the starter of any football franchise. He's not going to be in week two, but in week one, he's an established veteran who's at least been in the league a handful of years. Everybody loves Antonio Gibson because he does what Christian McCaffrey does. And that's what Ron Rivera wants. Fine. J.D. McKissick is a poor version of that. He, when he was healthy in Seattle a few years ago with Christine Michael and whatnot, he, and Marshawn Lynch, he was a great alternative pass catcher. If they want that role filled up, J.D. McKissick could do it for at least a half, could do it for at least a game to let those rookies, well, Bryce Love's still kind of a rookie because he didn't play last year, get those guys NFL speed. Let's not forget here something that I don't want to get washed out either in week one. There was no preseason, none. And on top of that, there was even a, uh, a, a very bizarre um, training camp, if you want to call it that, where guys couldn't get together as usually as early as they usually would. Rookie camps weren't happening. Um, right after the draft, teams were not flying right out to their prospective teams to get involved because of the coronavirus. That's a, that's a real issue this year. Now, I don't think it's going to affect everybody negatively. It may not even be that big of a deal because these guys are professionals. They have all private gyms and trainers and shit, whatever. But I think it's really something to bring into consideration. I'm glad you brought it up because you have to think outside the box with particular situations like this. So Antonio Gibson could be the dude that everybody wants him to be. No problem. He could be that guy Sunday morning. He could also be that guy starting in week three, right? And you have to be kind of careful. Now, Bryce Love is going to have to wait his turn, in my opinion. So if nothing else, I think a mixture of J.D. McKissick, maybe Peyton Barber, maybe Antonio Gibson, maybe Bryce Love, if he's healthy enough can go out there and each get you know eight ten carries and just kind of see who pops a little bit but I think that's great so even though you know fantasy is excited about uh, Antonio Gibson you really need to temper expectations could he blow up absolutely would I expect it absolutely not because the coaches believe in the veteran they need the veteran out there to at least absorb a couple of blows to let these guys get up to NFL speed and again Philadelphia's front seven is no joke they are a legitimate stout defense that I think could really shut down this team overall. And you do not want to throw rookies in there who are not Saquon Barkley, Zeke Elliott to get smashed right off the bat. So I think that's a great call. All right, man, let's run through our pickums really quick. We just ran through the nine early games for Sunday. Again, tomorrow we'll break down the five uh, the four afternoon games and then the four evening games. That's Thursday, Sunday, and then two Monday night game. So let's go through the pickums real quick here, Lucas. We'll just run through. We've done the analysis. Let's just give a pickem so we can get it on record and we'll be going through this. Last year, I believe you and I were separated by a game or two. It's pretty incredible. Came out on top on that one, but it was very, very close. So let's go through it really quick here, man. We'll start at the top. Cleveland at Baltimore. Who you got? Now, again, this is not Vegas odds. This is not spread. This is straight up who's going to win the game. Cleveland Browns at Baltimore Ravens. Man, this is so bad. I, I just put never the Browns. Like, that, that's just, like, the vibe of this. Like, no, not against the best team in the league. Never the Browns. Lucas going with Baltimore. I, too, am going to go with Baltimore at home. Two for two there. Next up, Seattle at Atlanta. I'm going Seattle. I think, I think the, the – I think people are kind of projecting, like, the Falcons at, like, 100% production right away. And I, I get that's, like, a very specific – uh, analysis, but I think Seattle is going to run it back from last year. I think it, I think this is going to be a close game. I think Seattle takes it home. 
because it's in Atlanta and it's a cross country number one and number two, it's in Atlanta. Matt Ryan is a different beast in Atlanta. They got the, U- the new unis. I think the defense is going to be healthy for at least this game. I'm not sure what Seattle team is going to be, if they're going to quote, let Russ cook or not. I'm going to actually, this might be even upset even. I don't know if, I mean, it's a home game, so it's not really an upset, but yeah. I'm going to actually go with Atlanta here in week one. Everybody's healthy. Everybody's jacked up. This is in Atlanta across the country for a West coast team. Um, I do like Atlanta in this game. I'm going to go with Atlanta over Seattle. Next up, New York Jets at Buffalo Bills. Uh, Buffalo all day. I Yeah, they're my survivor pick, so they've got to be my pick here. I totally agree with you. I don't think it'll be close. Actually, I think it'll be close in a score because Buffalo doesn't score that many points, but a 24 to, you know, a 24 to 14 game, which is close on the scoreboard, I think Buffalo is going to dominate. So I agree with you. I'm going to go Buffalo easily there. Las Vegas Raiders, the no longer Oakland Raiders, Las Vegas Raiders at Carolina Panthers. Yeah, I'm going with the Raiders. I, I think I think there's an aspect of this game where the where Teddy can keep it close. And I'm all over the, the Panthers this year. But I just think in week one, I think I think the Raiders will just target this this young, inexperienced defense. And I think they'll be pretty I think this will be a pretty electric game for sure. I'm gonna go the other way. I am also gonna take the West Coast team heading to the East Coast and the, the Dirty South there. I'm going to take Carolina here and what may be another upset. I mean, again, these are both bad teams on paper at the end of the year, I think. But I'm going to take Carolina. They got this high-flying offense. Both these teams have a high-flying offense. Carolina has a rebuild on defense, but I do think that uh, they will just have enough mustard. If if uh, the Raiders can't come out and, and, and ground and pound them early, I think that uh, this team could could run it up potentially. So I'm going to take Carolina in this one. Chicago Bears at Detroit Lions. Yeah, I'm going Detroit here. I think this is going to be a close game, though. Uh, I think these are two – to me, it's kind of a proven game for Stafford. Can he repeat what he did last year? Can this team win this division? Can they Can they be what everyone wants them to be? So I'll keep an eye on this, but I'm just going to go to Detroit for the pick and sake. I like it. I'm going to go with Detroit as well. Uh, home game here. I do like Stafford. I like the rest of these weapons. And without David Montgomery, they just don't have a true beat-em-up running back there. Um so Cordell Patterson's obviously not that guy. He's a receiver who's never really even been a receiver. He's a kick returner playing running back potentially and also Tariq Cohen. So without that guy, I just don't see it happening. So I'm going to take Detroit as well. Um, Adrian Peterson, get a touchdown in week one. What do you think? Um, sure. For the sake yeah. of the question, sure. I'll give him one as well. Indianapolis Colts at Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, Col- Colts run them. This is, yeah, no, not, yeah, not a chance. Jacksonville hangs with the Colts here. I'm going to take the Colts as well. Green Bay Packers at Minnesota Vikings. I'm going to go with Green Bay for the same reason I'm fading the Panthers. Just too much turnover in this defense for it to click without preseason right away. I think the experience – basically, the Packers are running back the same team, and then they're adding in Aaron or A.J. Dillon. So, like, I think this offense will click, um, and the defense is virtually the same minus Blake Martinez. So, I like the Packers in this spot. You know, I totally agree with everything that you just said. I did put Minnesota on the sheet. I'm going to stick with them. This is a home game for them. I'm going to stick with Minnesota, but I don't feel good about it. If this was in Green Bay, it'd be Packers easy. But I am going to take Minnesota here early uh, in week one just to upend Rodgers. However, I do think the Packers have a great season once again. But I'll differentiate a little bit, and I'm going to go with Minnesota at home. Two more games here, Miami Dolphins at New England Patriots. I'm going to England. I, I gave my spiel about how Belichick is still the, the, the best coach in the earth. He's going to just run down this 
Miami team. But, but yeah, I I guess this is the one game where like I think this will be an embarrassment for Miami. They'll they'll try and act like they got Tua, who's not even gonna play, and their season's fixed. And I think I think Cam's gonna come out and stop them. Awesome. I hope Cam plays well for fantasy purposes. I would love to see him back in action like old Cam. However, I'm also going to take uh, I'm going to take the underdog in this one too, man. I think Miami is just I think Fitzmagic has enough kind of like, hey guys, we got nothing to lose. Let's let's just run and gun it and have some fun. I do know Stephon Gilmore and the rest of that defense is is gangster. They're going to be awesome, but I do think that they have they might have enough mustard with this running game. And if that defense lapses a little bit with the lack of run game that I think that the Patriots will have, and we just don't know what Cam Newton's going to bring, I think it's going to be close. But I'm going to take Miami by a field goal at the end, so I'll take Miami here on the road actually. All right, last one, Philadelphia Eagles at Washington. Yeah, Eagles all day, but I think this could be a sneaky kind of like we are on the edge of our seat watching watching the red zone while the Redskins kind of grossly charge down the field at the end and maybe tie it up or something. I am going to take Philadelphia over the football team every single time. I don't see myself yet giving a nod to the football team this entire season. I'm just going to put that on paper right now. All right, we have given our breakdown and our preview for the early games. Tomorrow, we're going to do our afternoon games plus the four evening games. That's Thursday night, that's Sunday night, and the two Monday nighters as well. And, of course, we'll do pickums for those two. Lucas, it is so good to be back in the saddle, man. It is week one officially. We are here. We are pumped. We're ready to go. We're trying to give the best advice we possibly can. Make sure, again, you leave a rate interview right here on the podcast, the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast, wherever you're listening to it. That's Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you like to listen to it. Please tell your friends and your family. Follow us on Instagram at fantasyfootball underscore tckpod and on Twitter at tck underscore pod. You can also find our draft guide at tckpod.com. And for those of you in the listener leagues, we have two listener leagues this year. For those of you in the listener leagues, Fear not, we will be breaking down both of those on Fridays. So tune in later this week, and we'll be previewing week one. And moving forward, we'll be recapping and then previewing the next week. Super fun, man. We have uh, big things coming up here for the TCK pod. Super stoked to be back for year three, season three here. For Lucas Kaser, I'm Scott Guasco, episode 257 in the books. Very excited for week one. We'll see you tomorrow, y'all. We are out of here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.